Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This episode of the Power Ranking Show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting action. They've got Major League Baseball going on, they've got Summer League Basketball, everything you can imagine. Go check out Bet Online for the odds. Make sure you use our promo code BELIEVE to receive 50% off your uh, welcome bonus. Believe. Uh, I messed it up. I didn't have the read in front of me. <laughs> it's all right. Your head looks enormous right now. I know. I got to fix that. Hold on. Uh, Hold on, hold on. We're just gonna we're, we're just Take gonna start time, over with man. this. Take your time. Take your time. I, I literally just didn't have the read in front of me, so I was trying to do That's it off right. memory. Do you want me to do it? No, I got it. We're good. You, I found uh, yeah, it. Okay. I, I found okay. it. Uh okay. Ready? Yeah. Why does my head look so big? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't. Well, I leaned back in my chair so mine wouldn't look so big. That looks weird. It, this is just lean back in your chair. Can you pull your mic? To, isn't your mic? Well, not that far, but can you roll your chair yeah, back and I, pull the arm yeah, of I'm your good. mic out? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It just seems really weird. It's strange. All right. Let's do this again. Uh-huh. of the power ranking show is brought to you by bet online bet online is your number one source for all of your finals info stats news and scores get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for baseball which is going on right now we've got boxing ufc bet online is your sports intel headquarters this season as they have you covered for all of your insider sports wagering needs from basketball to hockey mlb ufc and boxing it is the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options from your favorite casino and your favorite card games that are also available to play right from your home. Get into the action today. Head to the website or use our mobile or your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, Marcus's favorite card game is go on eBay and <laughs> find football cards. That's your favorite. That then, is at Marcus underscore Mosher. I am at Harrison NFL. And now we're referring to each other as Twitter handles. It's uh, that's life. This is the power rankings podcast, AKA the power rankings show. It's our end of the week podcast. And uh, we've had uh, kind of an interesting week. We looked at some different topics uh, a couple of podcasts ago on Monday. We did is Patrick Mahomes ruining the NFL for, yes. uh, personnel right yes um in in a way in a in a manner of speaking and then uh we did a podcast on wednesday uh regarding uh, kind of the the odds on who's going to be the rushing leader this year a L- little bit of fantasy chat in that as well discussing all the top running backs uh situations ahead into the season but for today something totally different now we talked about MVP odds on Bet Online a couple of weeks ago, and I've been sticking to my Kirk Cousins is going in the MVP. Who, by the way, who do you have winning the MVP? Did you ever make a prediction? I, I think I'm going to go with Joe Burrow this year. Yeah, I mean, if I win on Kirk Cousins, that would just be the call ever. Uh, but we wanted to talk about something that Marcus has mentioned to me. Might have mentioned once on this podcast, and the 
time that we've been doing it in our 200 plus episodes, but that the, the, one of the weirdest MVP seasons is not one that people even talk about. It's actually a non MVP season that somehow didn't win the MVP. And uh, I know you've wanted to talk about this for a long time. I'm, I'm curious how this even came across your radar, but by all means, you have the runway. I just care about the MVP award a lot because it's a good snapshot of who are the most important and most valuable players in a given season. And I think the MVP should tell us a story about how a season went, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at last year with, with Patrick Mahomes winning the award. The Chiefs were the number one seed. They ended up winning the Super Bowl. It lines up like it was it was perfect. Like that's the best possible outcome, right? You have the best quarterback winning the MVP on the best team that won the Super Bowl. I was looking at the 1987 season, and that's obviously the season where Jerry Rice scored 22 touchdowns in 12 games. And listen, I get that receivers don't win the MVP award, but if there's ever going to be a a guy to do it, that should have been the year. And then at the same time, we were talking uh, a couple weeks ago about the best defensive players of all time, right? And Reggie White was number two on that list Mm -hmm. for both you Mm -hmm. and I, right? And he had a season where he had 21 sacks in 12 games and didn't get a single MVP vote, which made me go back and look to see, okay, who won that MVP and why? And it was John Elway for the Denver Broncos, who in 12 games threw 19 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. And I don't understand this one. So please provide some context here. Uh, let's get some of the other numbers on Elway for that year. Let's talk completion percentage because it wasn't particularly high that I recall. I don't have his numbers right in front I, of me, but I, I got it right here. 54.6. There you go. And, you know, now the yards per completion was pretty good for him. They did throw the ball down the field, but the yards per attempt, not great. Passer rating, not great. Uh, he was very, very mobile and he made a lot of plays at the end of games. And I think that's why he won. But there's However, this thing. He only had Go two ahead. game-winning drives. Like you would think that I mean, he's had other seasons where he had six or four or five. Only two. So I you're right that he made a bunch of big plays at the end of games, but it wasn't like he won all these games late. So I think a little bit of context matters here in terms of why this kind of thing happened. Um in 86, he was outstanding and, and got the Broncos to the Super Bowl. He had the drive in the AFC Championship game. But none of that matters in the MVP, okay? And Lawrence Taylor won the MVP that year, uh, obviously a defensive player. So going into 87, people thought of John Elway as like this superhuman being at quarterback. And so a lot of it, I think you would agree with this, a lot of the MVP vote becomes narrative. The narrative throughout the season uh, where – we think you talked about if Justin Tucker were to win the MVP as a kicker, it would have to be a narrative going throughout the season where all the Ravens games were coming down to the wire and he was making big kicks in the fourth quarter. This is the narrative that happened with John Elway, but there's also always a false narrative too. And I've mentioned this with Barry Sanders before this, there was this poor John Elway thing that went on in the late eighties, kind of like the poor Barry thing in the nineties That just wasn't true. I guarantee you, if you look at the Broncos defense in 87, I'd be willing to bet you $500. I have not looked. I promise you, I have not looked. I guarantee you they were in top 10 easily in points allowed. Easily, Uh, no doubt in my mind. Um, uh, Yeah, they were seventh. Okay, that's really, that's, I mean, when you take that, 
Would you? Oh, pick? all day, all day, all day. Right? If you, if you have the seventh ranked scoring defense in the league, you have a great shot at winning the Super Bowl if you have a franchise quarterback. Period. Um, okay. So this idea that he didn't play with any good players, I can name so many great players that John Elway played with. Okay. But sparing you guys all those names, Jerry Rice didn't just score 22 touchdowns. He had a 23rd rushing. He did it in 12 games because there was a strike. They canceled a game and then they had replacement players play three of the games. So if you ever look at the standings from 1987, there are only 15 games there. You know who had the best record in football in 1987? The 49ers. The 49ers. They went 13 and two, I think. And that's why, okay, if you don't want to give it to a positional player like Jerry Rice or Reggie White, I I don't understand that, but okay, it's whatever. Jerry Rice, or sorry, Joe Montana that season started 11 games. He went 10 and one as a starter. He completed almost 67% of his passes. He led the NFL in completion percentage, touchdowns, uh, touchdown percentage, quarterback rating, fourth quarter comebacks, game-winning drives, and you chose an, another quarterback over him? I'm, I'm with you, man. And the, the 49ers, I'm looking at the 87 uh, team here. They outscored their opponents. The average score of a 49ers game in 87 was 31 to 17. <laughs> That's the average score. 31 if, points if per game. That's unbelievable. Yeah. It is. Now, if you look at their replacement games, their replacement team did pretty well, but didn't average that margin of victory of 14 points per game. So you're talking about the best team in the league, just like the Broncos. They ended up with the number one seed. And then you stop it right there because the MVP is a regular season award. So it doesn't matter that the Broncos made it to the Super Bowl and the 49ers didn't. It's a regular season award. I think Jerry Rice should have been number one. I think Montana should have been two. I think Reggie White, if he wasn't three and they put Elway three, fine, but he certainly deserved uh, consideration. But another guy is Eric Dickerson, who got traded midseason to a terrible Colts team, ran for over a thousand yards with the Colts and got them into the divisional round of the playoffs. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. We should we should mention the voting breakdown here. Uh, okay. John Elway got 43% of the votes. Cherry okay. Rice got 35% of the votes. So pretty Joe close. Montana, 21%. Reggie White and Eric Dickerson did not receive a single vote. Did anyone else receive a single vote? Those are the three. No. Um, So an interesting sidelight to this is, first of all, was this Jerry Rice's greatest season? I would argue that 95 was probably Jerry Rice's greatest season. Marcus, I think he had like 1,858 yards and 17 touchdowns. I don't have his numbers right in front of me. but He averaged 115 yards a game. I mean, come on, you know, uh, we, we talk about all, all the time about how important yards per target are for a receiver. And yeah. if you're above yeah. eight, it's really good. He averaged mm-hmm. a half yards to target that season. <laughs> uh, in the late eighties, the 49ers had a little bit more balanced offense. Than they did in the mid nineties. If you look at Jerry's numbers, I think you'll find 94. He was absolutely awesome. 95. He was awesome. And 96. He was awesome. And by the way, these are years 10, 11, and 12 for him. Um, In the late 80s, they were a little more balanced. But in 1987, their other starter wide receiver was a guy named Mike Wilson, who was drafted by the Cowboys in 81. The 49ers picked him up. He was never a starter in his first six years in the league. 
He finally started in 87, and I'm thinking he had like 400 and something yards that year. It's not like Jerry Rice had a lot of pressure being taken off of him. I'm going to look at Mike Wilson's numbers real quick for uh, 1987. But he, let's see, 29 catches for 450 yards. You know, I mean, that, that's okay in 12 games, but it's it's not exactly taking pressure off. Last thing for me on Jerry Rice here, by the way, it was 11 games. Mike Wilson had 450 yards, excuse me. But uh, there's this argument that I see. I went on YouTube today and I saw a YouTube short on the craziest NFL MVP ever. And I've seen this over and over and over again is Mark Mosley in 1982, the kicker. In 1982, they only played nine games. Mark Mosley missed one kick the entire year. And I think it was at the end of the year. And he hit like four game winning kicks that year in a nine game season. So yeah, I get it. It's weird that a kicker won and I'm not even saying he deserved it. Probably Dan Fouts deserved it, but you could understand how a kicker who only misses one field goal and hits multiple game winning kicks uh, for the number one seed could end up being in the MVP. I actually think your argument is better than the people arguing against Mark Mosley. And it wasn't like Dan Fouts had an amazing 1982, like Joe Montana did, like Jared Rice did. He had a, it was fine. 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. It was a good year for him. A lot, a lot of yards. yards. A lot of yeah. yards, but it, it, it wasn't historically great. And that's what Reggie White and Jerry Rice did. They, they put up amazing seasons. And then you had a quarterback in Joe Montana who led the NFL in so many different categories and was on the best team in the league. Didn't even really get considered for the award. Just as a little uh, sidelight here, though, the one guy that never gets mentioned, and I happen to know somebody that did a video on the 1982 uh, MVP. I won't uh, say who it was, but it's a really great YouTube video. Um, Wes Chandler, a receiver for the Chargers, had 1,028 yards in eight games. (laughs) He never gets mentioned at all. Eight games, he had 1,028 yards for the Chargers. And he didn't even finish top three in Offensive Player of the Year award that season, (laughs) which is fascinating. So, so silly. Who did? You got it there, uh, Joe Theismann? Uh, no, it was Dan Fouts that won it. Um, Mark Mosley was second, and Joe Theismann was third. Danny White was fourth. Interesting. Okay, Mark Allen had a great rookie year that year. Um, but, okay, so that's that's one of the worst, if not the worst. Do you have any others that come to mind that you really don't like from maybe Oh, like I hate that years? we had to split one one year between Peyton Manning and Steve Young. Like, just pick a winner, right? Oh, How cheesy is have co-MVPs. Yeah, Steve McNair. We 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 did it also with um, Barry Sanders and Brett Favre split it in 97. Um, I really thought Barry Sanders should win that one. Um, I'm just going to give you a couple uh, from NFL history real fast. Uh, one we briefly spoke about the other day, 1980, Brian Seif wins the MVP. Earl Campbell runs for 1,900 yards as a power back, okay? Like literally running dudes over. And he doesn't win the MVP. And I think the Oilers quarterback that year was Ken Stabler. And I believe he threw twice as many interceptions as touchdowns. Okay, so the yeah. Oilers go 11-5, and five, Marcus, because their running back runs for 1,900 yards and uh, averages 5.2 yards a carry as a power back. Ken Stabler, the Oilers quarterback, threw 13 touchdowns and 28 interceptions. How do you go 11-5? and five when you're start, even in 1980, that was a really bad year. Yeah. It was the Snake's worst year. Earl Campbell should have been the MVP that year. Uh, 
can we go back to the the 1987 the rest of the awards because yeah i yeah. think when you start to look at the other awards you just you kind of come to the realization that this was just a really funky year and mm-hmm. that some of the 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 voters i i, I don't know what they're doing so first of all we mentioned that john elway won the award jerry mm-hmm. rice was the offensive player of the year by a, a a huge margin the only other player to get votes were bernie kozar who did again okay. didn't give it an mvp mention he got one vote and John Elway got one vote. So how does that happen? <laughs> how do you not be first team all pro? And how are you get no votes for? I, that's a, that's a great. I, how am okay. I supposed to answer that? Uh, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, all right, so I'm good with the defensive player of the year. That was Reggie White. Although Bruce Smith yeah, had a nice year. Offensive rookie of the year. Do you know who won okay. this award without looking? Offensive rookie of the year in 1987. Uh, oof. Oof, oof. Was it Ricky Natil? It was not. He, he no, got, no, 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 don't give it to me. Go ahead. He was he six was, in voting. I I know, I know this. Hold on. 1987, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Dog, is this like a trick question? It's not. It's not? Well, kind of. I mean, I, it's kind of. It, it kind of is. I, I should, NFC or AFC? Just give me that because I was in our whole podcast AFC. trying to trying to guess. Okay. 1987 Offensive Rookie of the Year. Oh, Christian Okoye. No, didn't even receive no. a vote. Oh my gosh, who the heck? So who was the who was the big name in the NFL that year? The big rookie, Bo Jackson, didn't win the award. Came in second to another running back, Troy Stratford, Miami. Troy Stratford. Yeah, yeah. I had to go. Th- See, that's the problem. You ask me these, I have to go through all my teams. And that just takes up too much podcast real estate. So, so Troy Stratford, I got his numbers here. Yeah. In in 12 games, only five starts, 619 rushing yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 457 receiving yards. So you're talking about over 1,000 you know, yards from scrimmage in 12 games. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, is there any other 87 awards that we need to know about that are bad? Yes. There's, well, oh Two of them. I, we got to go through it really quickly. But uh, <laughs> Bo Jackson only played in like five games. And he had 500 rushing yards and 130 yeah. receiving yards. But third, fourth, and fifth place were all offensive linemen, which you never see in offensive rookie of the year voting, which I think is cool. Coach of the year. <laughs> Do you know who won coach of the year? In 1987? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Jim Mora. Jim Mora. Now, he... Okay. They had a record of twelve and three. Yeah. Bill Walsh finished second, and he had a record of thirteen and two. Mm-hmm. When did we just stop giving Coach of the Year to the guy that with, with the best record? Like, why do we have to? Like, why did Jim Moore get this over Bill Walsh, who was very clearly the best coach in the league at the time? I think, in fairness, because the Saints had been nowheresville. The Saints had never had a rookie. I mean, a, a winning season. They they came in the league in sixty seven. 67 to 86, you're talking about 20 years. They never had a winning season. They only had two 500 seasons. And Jim Mora gets there in 86. They struggled in 86. I think they went like 5 and 11. And then uh, 87, for them to go 12 and 3 after never having a winning season, that was pretty special. Which I'm fine with. So th- that was 1 and 2. Jim Mora was 1. Bill Walsh was 2. Mm-hmm. Number 3, okay. Marv Levy, who coached the Bills to a 7 and 8 record that season. Yeah, and I think that one was because I'm not defending it. I'm just telling you what the context. Bills were awful in '86. I think they went three and thirteen, 
In 85, they had gone two and 14. In 84, they had gone two and 14. Uh, so Marv Levy, the regulars for the Bills went seven and five. It was the strike players that went 0 and three. So I think that's what okay. uh, they were looking at. Last day, defensive rookie mm-hmm. of the year voting. Only two players got votes. Shane Conlon okay. for the Bills. Okay, right. He was a starter right off the bat. Okay. And then Cornelius Bennett, a linebacker for the Bills. Would you ever yes. see two players in the same defense uh, basically competing with each other for rookie of the year? And I'm pretty sure Cornelius Bennett was part of the trade that sent Eric Dickerson to the Colts because I think Cornelius Bennett was actually drafted by the Colts. And it was a three-team trade between mm-hmm. the Rams, the Colts, and, and Bills, if that if memory serves. Uh, just just a couple of MVP, other MVPs that I did not like. It's a real shame that Roger Staubach never won, uh, never got first team All Pro, and never uh, received MVP. 1971, Alan Page, a defensive tackle, got MVP. He had nine sacks and 100 tackles, which 100 tackles for a defensive tackle is great. But at the end of the day, I mean, Roger Staubach went 10 and 0 as a starter. 15 touchdowns, four interceptions, which Marcus, you know, in that era, early 70s, mm-hmm. you're throwing as many picks as touchdowns. Uh, let me just give you some percentages too. 1.9 interception percentage. That's pretty good today. Mm-hmm. Um, 8.9 yards per attempt. That's really good today. 9.5 adjusted yards per attempt. 14.9 yards per completion. 104.8 passer rating in an era when 79 was a good passer rating. And then uh, Roger Staubach's rushing numbers, um, again, he only had 10 starts, but 343 yards at 8.4 yards a carry. Yep. I've got one more for you. Now, this, is, okay. this isn't a huge one because the guy mm-hmm. that won it deserved it. The mm-hmm. 1990 MVP, Joe Montana, won the award. Uh, almost 4,000 yards passing, 26 touchdowns, 16 yeah, interceptions. Didn't deserve it. The guy that finished second was Randall Cunningham who had yes. 3,500 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, some more touchdowns, 13 interceptions, fewer interceptions, but almost 1,000 rushing yards and five touchdowns. I just don't think in the 90s we valued the, that rushing component enough. No, no. And the Eagles made the playoffs. I think it was the fact that the Eagles were three straight one and dones in 88, 89, and 90 that really hurt him, which again, it shouldn't have because it's a regular season award. And there was a real bias towards Joe Montana an earned bias, I should say. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think Randall Cunningham should have won that year. Uh, that was not one of Montana's best years. I think Montana had a much better case in 87 than he did in 1990. Uh, going back to Staubach, Staubach's last year in the league, Marcus, 27 touchdowns, 11 picks. So that's, that's close to what Randall did, right? What was he? 30 and 13. Okay. Uh, also, again, adjusted yards per attempt, uh, 7.9, pretty good. 92.3 rating, again, in 1979. That was the highest in the league. And four four-quarter comebacks, four game-winning drives, yet he could not win an MVP or get first-team All-Pro. You lead the league in passing. You go 11-5 and five as a starter. You have four game-winning drives, and you can't uh, get the MVP award. Earl Campbell got it in 79. I think Roger Staubach kind of got, uh, you know, short shrifted or as they say, uh, in the MVP voting, anybody from the last, you know, couple of years that bothered you at all. Cause I've got one. I mean, 
I mean, this guy probably shouldn't have won it, but Tony Romo led the NFL in yards per attempt, passer rating, and adjusted yards per attempt and completion percentage in 2014 on a team that wasn't very good, but they he dragged them to a record of like 12 and four that year. And yeah, I think yeah. he missed one of the starts. I think he was 12 and three as a starter. But Aaron Rodgers got the award because he had more of the raw stats, right? More passing yards, more touchdowns. I think Romo that season was the best quarterback in the league, but I, I understand why he didn't win that award. Yeah, I, I did too. But actually the person that people were complaining about was an Aaron Rodgers or Tony Romo that year. It was JJ Watt who had his last Herculean season. And I think that was yep. the year JJ Watt caught multiple touchdown passes yes. yep. uh, in the red zone. Um, I'm going to go 2021 on you. I told you this at the time. I still don't understand why Debo Samuel did not get more love for the MVP. He did everything the 49ers. I guess he's smirking. That's fine. I'll argue with. Well, because was he even the best receiver in the league that year? Yes, because because no, he was the best football player. Okay, that's what he was. Cooper Cup was the best receiver in the league that season. Okay, that's fine. But do you want a receiver that only receives, or do you want a receiver that can do what Cooper Cup can do, but also run it out of a power eye and score multiple touchdowns? I think what ended up hurting Debo was Cooper Cup. Right, Cooper Cup had such a great season, so it's like, oh, if if one of these guys can't really separate themselves from the the other, how can we give them the MVP award? You know. Okay, let, let me put it to you a different way. Uh, so 2021, Aaron Rodgers won, and the the argument would be, where would the Packers be without Aaron sure. Rodgers? Isn't that always the argument for the quarterback? Always, uh, yes. Where, where would the 49ers have been in 2021 without Devo Samuel? Uh, I don't know. Like, but Can I give you another cool 49ers stat? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Do you know Jerry Rice had 10 years with at least one rushing touchdown? I I did not. Uh, Which is kind of cool, right? Like we think of Debo Samuel as like one of the best rushers ever at the wide receiver position. Jerry Rice wasn't that, but to have 10 years with a rushing touchdown is pretty incredible. Okay. So in 1987, just blow by that. Don't even comment. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm staying with you here. 1987 was one of the years he had a rushing touchdown. I don't know if it was the first year he did. It might've been the second. What was that run? So he he had five straight years that he had a rushing touchdown to start his career. Okay. I think in 87, he scored a touchdown in every single game he played. I'm pretty sure. Pretty incredible. Yeah. So, but you see, now you got me all fired up here. Why was Cooper Cup looked at as better than Debo Samuel in 2021? Because he wasn't. I think it's because he had almost 2,000 receiving yards on a team that was really good with the Rams. And he was so consistent and so reliable. And... Not only did he lead the NFL in receiving yards, he led the NFL in catches and touchdowns, which we really haven't seen somebody do that in a long time. Okay. But Debo had, you act like Debo did not have a phenomenal year just as a receiver alone. Debo was an incredible player. And then when you combine his rushing on top of that, and then also we've talked about this with one of your favorite players of all time, Randy Moss, is what's the scare factor, right? Like how much are you making that defensive coordinator adjust what they do, right? How much does a defensive coordinator adjust to, to Cooper Cup versus how much does a defense have to adjust to Debo Samuel when he's healthy? I think that's your best argument, right? Because, listen, my Cowboys played the 49ers in the first round of the playoffs, and Debo was terrifying. Anytime he touched yeah. the ball, you were worried, how many tackles is he going to break this time? So I, I think statistically, Cooper Cup had the better season. But if you're asking me the guy that I – 
would rather avoid in a huge playoff game? It's Debo Samuel. Yeah, didn't he score the first touchdown in that yes. that playoff game yes. uh, at at uh, AT and T? Yeah, but Texas to Stadium. be fair, Cooper Cup did catch the game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, so I guess I can talk out of both sides of my mouth better than anybody okay. else. All right, uh, I was actually not aware of this. Debo actually led the NFL in a category in 2021. Do you want to guess what it was? Yards from scrimmage. It's actually it's actually a stat that you like a lot that is gone lower and lower as history has gone on. And there's very few guys that have a high number at this anymore. Uh, yards per carry. Y- yards per catch. Yards per yards catch. Per- 18.2 yards per catch. That's outstanding. That is incredible. In this era. Uh, 77 catches for 1,405 yards. His uh, catch percentage, like completion percentage when throwing to Debo, was only 63.6. You will see higher numbers than that occasionally. That's not a bad number for a wide receiver. It's, I would say, pretty average, right? But – not when you're getting that miles per gallon, you would expect that completion percentage to be lower. Wouldn't you, if you're getting 18 yards a catch. Yes. What's also incredible about Debo that year, it's not like he was Randy Moss where all of his targets were just down the field bombs. Right. I mean, his a dot or average depth per target was very, very below average. In fact, it was, you know, he's catching a lot of passes close to the line of scrimmage and busting them off into big plays. Pretty incredible. Yeah, I got the numbers right here. Uh, uh, this is where we get into PFF 8.4. 8.4, that's not super high. That's So you're talking – so just repeat that again. So 8.4 yards is where he's catching the ball from the line of scrimmage. Yes, yes. And he's averaging 18 yards per reception. So that means basically whenever you're targeting him, he's going to gain 10 yards more from wherever you throw him the ball. That is crazy. Let's go to his rushing numbers. 59 rushing attempts. That is a ton for a wide receiver. That is a ton. For 365 yards and eight touchdowns, the guy averaged 6.2 yards per carry. He picked up 21 first downs rushing on only 59 attempts, man. Okay, so you're talking about almost 40% of his rushing attempts resulted in a first down, and he scored eight touchdowns. And no, they were not all one-yard dives. Um, I just, do you remember the green Bay playoff game? Now I know that's not part of the MVP. I do. I mean, they, they, they basically leaned on him on in the overtime, right. To, to win that game, instead of giving the ball to Raheem Mostert, it's we're going to give you a pitch play to Debo Samuel because he's the guy that we trust the most to get us into field goal range. Right. So I watched a YouTube video today that kind of related to this, where this guy was saying like, he basically was poo-pooing all these past MVPs because they weren't quarterbacks. And saying that if the numbers are even, barring some amazing year by a, a skill position player, the quarterback should always win, okay? The best quarterback in the league should always win. Hey, man, first of all, the best quarterback in the league is a little bit arbitrary because if you go by gross numbers, a lot of times the quarterbacks that are leading their teams to victory in the late third quarter are not going to have the gross numbers that other players stats, are going right? to have. Yep. yep. The, the, the second problem here is uh, – Debo Samuel did have an absolutely exemplary. When's the last time we saw a receiver have the kind of year Debo had? I don't, I don't think we ever have. I I think the last receiver to do what Debo did was in the 1960s, and his name was Bobby Mitchell, and he's in the Hall of Fame. I might add. Yeah. E- even yeah. the goat Percy Harvin never put up numbers like that. <laughs> well, isn't isn't so? Let's go to another one of your. So everyone, just so y'all know, Marcus's three favorite players of all time are Randy Moss. Deion Sanders and Percy Harvin in no order. Is that and Tavon Austin right? is four, correct? <laughs> no, 
No, did I get that right? Is you it did. Those are my three. No, yes. no particular order. Okay. Yes. And all those guys had what in common? They were scary. And, mm-hmm. and two of them could do multiple things. Um, but didn't, didn't Debo kind of do what Percy Harvin, what the, the pie in the sky Percy Harvin season would have been Debo's 2021? Yeah, he's right? the the A plus version of all these guys that have come out over the last decade and a half, right? The Randall Cobbs, the, yep. yeah, the Tavon Austin, Cordero Patterson, and he's just the absolute best version of that. And if you're asking me, and I know you're not, but if you're asking me, like, hey, you can pick one skill player in the league to build your offense around. There's players that are better receivers than Debo Samuel, but he can do everything. He averaged that year that you're you're talking about. 13 yards a touch. And remember, he had 60 <laughs> carries that year. Silly. 60 carries. And he's averaging 13 yards anytime you give him the ball. I, I mentioned Marcus Jones because he's a player that can do yeah. multiple things. Obviously, he's not a wide receiver per se. But um, so Debo in 2021 would be a recent one for me. What would you say to Ezekiel Elliott versus Matt Ryan 2016? That's a tough one. I, I think in hindsight, Zeke probably deserved it more, right? Because now you look at like what what Matt Ryan has been and what Kyle Shanahan has been able to do with all these different quarterbacks. I think it was just, you know, the perfect combination of the Falcons had great receivers, a great offensive line. I think Zeke, the way that he was able to carry a Cowboys team, and again, that wasn't very good on defense uh, and was able to win some of these huge games like the Pittsburgh game, uh, like the Washington game early in the year. I kind of think Zeke probably should have won that award. The perfect combination of sexy and cute. Do you remember that in Crazy Stupid Love when uh, <laughs> was it Marissa Tomei realized he had said the same, or Julianne Moore realized he had said the same thing to Marissa Tomei, and that was yes. there like the at the parent teacher conference. Yes. Sorry, I know. Look, look. If you're going to make me watch Failure to Launch, which I accidentally clicked on, now my Paramount app thinks that's that's like one of my favorite movies, so it's yeah, always wow. up there. Yeah. Uh, crazy stupid love, much better, much better romantic comedy. Um, okay, so other than obviously the Zeke Elliott, um, um, 2016 Matt Ryan, some others from just this last, you know, this kind of current era, 2005, Sean Alexander won it. He had a huge year, he had 1800 yards rushing. He he set the touchdown record that one of your, your probably your fourth favorite player ever, Ladanian Tomlinson, hmm. uh, beat the next year. But man, as soon as Steve Hutchinson was gone and Walter Jones started kind of falling apart, there was nothing there. Whereas Peyton Manning in 2005, that Colts team was a juggernaut, absolute juggernaut. Uh, In your least favorite football game, probably of all time, Pittsburgh upset them. That was the Mike Vanderjack slice the kick. That was pretty bad. I, I. I the also Roman watched Harper, the, uh, right? Wasn't it Roman yeah, Harper? I also watched the 2002 Browns Steeler wildcard game with Kelly Holcomb. Oh. The one that they, oh. yeah, that's another bad one. But yeah, uh, that was a good one. Edgerton was fantastic that year. Yeah. So I, I just think, uh, t- yeah, 2005 Edgerton James was amazing. I thought Peyton Manning probably should have won it uh, that year. Now you've got me uh, trying to remember who won the MVP award in 2002. Oh, uh, can I you get it. it without looking? Yeah, you're gonna look. No, I can't get you're it without look. looking. Oh, I, I I got it. Yeah. Want to uh, guess? I'm I'm um, 
cookies and cream 2002 it was a it was not a unanimous uh decision i will say that well Very it wasn't priest holmes but Pri- priest holmes had a massive season in 2002 but he did he not win six it. in voting yeah um ladanian tomlinson didn't win it i think that this was a quarterback ricky williams was the rushing leader that year he didn't win it didn't get a vote. um didn't get a vote dang how can he win the rushing? Oh, I think it was Rich Gannon, actually. It was Rich two. Gannon, which yeah. you look at the numbers, 4,700 passing yards, 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. That's a good year. Brett Favre finished yeah. second, 27 and 16. Steve McNair was third, 22 and 15. And then it went Michael Vick uh, at four, Derek Brooks at five, Priest Holmes at six. Yeah. Um, you know, when I think about NFL history, at least when I've been watching football, I think you actually circled the year that I would circle, 1987. I'm going to have to, as, as much as I would like to debate you on that, I can't. Uh, I think Jerry Rice deserved to win it um, that year. If we go really old school, I would definitely, you know, in the 70s, I think Roger Staubach got gypped a couple of times. More so, though, that, that he just, I mean, Roger Staubach led the NFL in passing four times in the decade and never won first team all pro. <laughs> For a guy that went 85 and 29 as a starter, yeah, 85 and 29. Like, how do you not win first team all pro or win the MVP? That's really weird to me, but I'm you curious. Know, Go ahead. You know, there, there's only been two unanimous MVPs ever. No, I, I did not know that. If, if you had to guess who they were, can you figure it out? If I had to guess unanim- two unanimous MVPs, uh, I would try Tom Brady 07. That was not. We had some voter, some joker, give Brett Favre a vote over Tom Brady. He was good. Favre did have a very good 07 season, um, but come on. Brady doubled his touchdowns <laughs> and went 16 and 0. All right. So unanimous MVPs. Must have been a Steeler voter. If you give me the years, I'm going to get them. So don't, yeah, that's you, probably ought not, that's you, you probably ought not to give me the years. Okay, let's try 1989 Joe Montana. No. Doggone it. All right. Uh, Patrick Mahomes wasn't unanimous. Um, Neither. T- nope. La- Lamar Jackson wasn't unanimous. He was. He was. I thought somebody – didn't somebody give some random vote to like no, – Bobby he, Wagner or something. No, no, he he was that unanimous wasn't year? that year. I thought there was one year where somebody gave an MVP vote to no, like it, one. It, it, just to just to be clear, that one. Lamar had thirty one hundred passing yards, thirty six passing touchdowns, twelve hundred rushing yards, and seven touchdowns. Jeez, I mean, a good night. What are you going to do about that, Nothing. man? Okay, uh, what was the other year the MVP was unanimous? Uh, Tom Brady in 2010, which is funny that that's the year yeah. he was unanimous, which was a very good year. 3,900 passing yards, 36 Best touchdowns. year I ever saw him had. Be- Better than 07? Year. Yeah, he, he went, his TDI&T ratio was 36 and 4, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. 36 to 4. He had 50 um, touchdowns had, in 2007 on the undefeated team. He also uh, broke a very rare record that Don Meredith, of all people, the Cowboys quarterback in the 60s, held, which is most consecutive games with at least two touchdown passes and no giveaways. And uh, he was just the height of efficiency, I would say, in 2010. Like, maybe a little bit boring, 
but just yeah. made every single play that was there to be made. You know, when, when you look at a play and say, okay, it's there to be made. How, what percentage of those plays does your quarterback make? I bet you Tom Brady made 98 or 99% of every play that was there to be made yeah. that year. It was like a robot that year, right? Yes. It was just was yes. flawless. And it was almost like he was in- inevitable when you were playing him. It just, he was going to figure it out by the fourth quarter. You know, he was going to be on. Uh, I, I, I get why he won that award. I think also 2010, he was a little bit different. You know, he'd had that injury in 2008. Uh, he got rid of the ball faster. Um, you know, at that point in his career. And, you know, when you look at a quarterback in their eighth year versus their 11th, at their 11-year mark, the body hasn't really started to break down yet in terms of throwing strength and stuff. They're not that old, but they have now seen every possible defense you could throw at them. Although I will say the Jets did a number on him in the divisional round that year. Uh, One last thing. We've had several other quarterbacks or other MVP winners have 49 of the 50 votes. Okay. The the one that really sticks out to me that I would be furious about, like just in hindsight, um, 2013, Peyton Manning won the award. He had 55 touchdowns, the most ever, mm-hmm. 10 interceptions mm-hmm. on that Broncos yep. team that was awesome. The only other person to get a vote was Tom Brady. And Brady did not have a great year. Tom Brady had 25 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Not a great year by his standards. The Patriots were good that season, but they weren't incredible, right? Mm-hmm. I would be kind of mad if I'm Peyton Manning to not have a, that unanimous MVP. I'll give you a guy in 2013 who had amazing season and uh, they, this team was not expected to do anything. Let's see if you can get who I'm thinking of. This team was coming off of, I believe, a 4-12 and season the year before. They had a quarterback who uh, has had multiple tours of duty with this team. And they made the playoffs with uh, uh, a new head coach coming off a four and twelve se- season, and this guy rushed for seventeen hundred yards. I think you know who I'm thinking of. Yeah, one of the most terrifying running backs of all time, Lashawn McCoy. Like when you yeah. were facing peak Lashawn McCoy, he was amazing. They had that game that year against Detroit in Philadelphia uh, in the snow. Was like a foot high. Do you remember that? And they couldn't stop him, right? That's the they game where I remember Calvin Johnson went to catch a pass and he came up and there was just snow all over yes. his face. Uh, LaShawn McCoy was incredible that year. Yeah. And I just thought it was a much greater turnaround. Now, DeMarco Murray led the league in rushing the very next year with even more yards. But I just think Tony Romo was a bigger part of that. And the Cowboys offensive line was just, they were the best line in the league. At that point, not that LaShawn McCoy had a bad line, but um, 2013 LaShawn McCoy got got no love. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that's really egregious that sticks out. I will say this. If I had to pick the MVP guy that came out of nowhere to win the MVP, I think it's still probably Kurt Warner for me. I can't think of anybody that just... And there was no argument against Kurt Warner. I'm just kind of throwing this as an ancillary note. Um, is there anybody that just absolutely stunned you that they ended up being the MVP of the league? Well, I think Rich Gannon is a good one, right? Yeah. Rich Gannon yeah. was, you know, somebody who was with the Vikings before the Raiders and then kind of just had was would you call him a journeyman quarterback kind of up until oh, the yeah. Raiders stage? Right. Oh yeah. And then not only wins the MVP, but takes the Raiders to the Super Bowl. I, I think that's one of the more shocking ones that we've had. 
yeah, Rich Gannon came up with the Vikings. I believe he had a cup of coffee with Jacksonville. And then he went to Kansas City. And he finally got his opportunity to be a starter with the Raiders in uh, 98, a uh, 98, 99. And uh, I think he, I think he kind of platooned with Jeff George for one year. Yeah. Then he took over and he was fantastic for about three years in a row. I'm going to give you one more before we go. This, okay. this guy didn't win, but I need you to explain to me how this happened. So in 2001, okay. that's okay. the year that Kurt Warner won the MVP. It was fantastic. Yep. Almost 5,000 passing yards. Second time in three years. Do you know who finished second that year in MVP voting? And it was close. In 2001? Yes. It was close. I This person, we came within a couple votes of beating out Kurt Warren for the MVP. Okay. Okay. Don't say anything yet. I got to think in the of AFC. my- Played in the AFC. I, yeah. Okay. I've, I've got to think of my, my playoff teams. Um It's not a charger boy, 2001. Yes. This team had a very good record, but the, the, the numbers were not great. Oh, golly. I, you know, I think once again, I mean, I have to go through all my teams and I, I won't waste so our podcast. Your teams is, it in the AFC? Chad the number one seed is it Chad? Is it Chad Pennington? No, no. Who was the number one seed in the AFC in 2001? Uh, two thousand one was Pittsburgh. You not don't tell me Cordell Stewart. It was Cordell Stewart. Wow. Yeah, they we were very close field. to getting yeah. Cordell Stewart to win the MVP that year. I'll give you his numbers: thirty one hundred passing yards, fourteen touchdowns, eleven interceptions. Yeah, on and honestly, his best year was ninety seven. Yes. The first year that he was a starter, they had the home. I don't know what his numbers are in ninety seven. You're looking at him. I'm not, but. 97, he became the starter some point during the year. They ended up getting home field against the Broncos, and they lost that one as well um, at, at Three Rivers. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of shocking that as great of a season as Kurt Warner had with that, the greatest show on turf, it, if a couple voters change their mind and vote, vote Cordell Stewart, that may be the worst MVP vote we've ever had. Yeah, yeah. But I, you know, bad. again, I go back to your, your 87 one. Um, I think that's a good call. I mean, look, uh, the Mark Mosley, I would put that up there with Kurt Warner is the most shocking as well. Uh, one that came out of nowhere cause it was a kicker, but that had more to do with the nine game season. But yeah, I mean, I think 1987 and, and I would probably go back to 71 for me. Um, but you know, uh, at this point, it's going to be really hard to have that kind of argument again because I think from here on out, Marcus, it's going to be quarterbacks. And I, again, I, I think that's a shame, but that's probably what, what it's going to be. What would a non skilled player on offense need to do to win the MVP award? I think it would need a combination of things. Like you just need to have one of those years where no good, no quarterback has amazing stats, but you probably need to have a receiver that has 2,200 yards, maybe yeah. 20 touchdowns. Yeah, I, I would think 2,000 yards and 17 touchdowns would be almost a – that would be your start, your starting point, yeah, right? And you have to – from there, you probably have to be on a team that you know is the number one or number two seed, and you're going to need to have a bunch of massive performances on prime time, right? Yeah, and maybe some signature – again, a lot of it's about narrative. Yeah. And so if you have one or two signature plays, you know, if Debo had made a one-handed catch – 
at the end of a game to send the 49ers to the playoff that year, maybe we're having a different discussion. Although they did have to beat the Rams the last day of the season, I remember, to get in. Um, I just think we've already seen what you're asking for. You're asking for a Herculean offensive season from a skill player. I don't know how averaging six yards a carry with eight rushing touchdowns for a wide receiver and leading the league in yards per catch and having 1,400 yards and the stat that you mentioned. I forgot what that stat is called, the point of where you uh, catch the ball for a wide receiver. A-dot. To have it be 10 yards beyond that speaks to how hard it is to get this guy on the ground. What more do you have to do? Uh, Randy Moss, you know, 0304 had huge years in couldn't win it. So uh, I'm with you. I, on I think you're going to have, it's going to have to be one of those 2000 yard seasons, 20 plus touchdowns, and then have big performances in these massive games on, you know, black Friday, Paramount plus sign up today to watch. All right. 20 seconds. Uh, I want as your final thought, I'm going to ask you this question. Give me your skill position player that you think would have the best chance of winning the MVP this year and shock everybody. Who can you make the argument for? I think Justin Jefferson. We, we saw last year him have an 1,800-yard season. What if he just adds 20 more receiving yards per game and he's over that 20, you know, 2,000-yard mark? And what if the Vikings are just really good again this year? They win the NFC North. They're the number one seed, which in the NFC, it's not going to be super hard considering how weak that conference is. If he, if he could have a 2,000-yard season, the Vikings win the division, maybe he gets some consideration. I'll tell you why it's not going to happen because his teammate is going to win it. And his, and his teammate's going to throw one. His teammate's going to – what were Elway's numbers again? Cousins is going to throw, what, 17 touchdowns <laughs> with what, whatever Elway's 87 numbers. Yeah, 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions with a 54% completion percentage. That should do it, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, that's it for us. Uh, As always, you can follow Marcus at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter, and you can follow his Cowboys takes. And if he thinks this might actually be a good uh, Cowboys podcast, what Cowboy has the best chance at the MVP? Because I think that's actually an interesting discussion. Uh, So check out his work there with Landon McCool. Also, he does a Dynasty podcast and covers the Raiders for USA Today. Raiders Wire is at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. We appreciate you guys. Until next week, take care, everybody.